But we are now just kind of in the final couple weeks of our Imagine More Generosity Initiative. Um, and the pretty exciting thing is tonight is our Advanced Commitment Night. And what that means is that we know that uh, God has called us to this new season of ministry. We really believe that now is a time for even greater uh, influence and impact, imagine even more. And, and so I think one of the things that's exciting about that is to think about a, a home uh, that's our, our permanent home where we're not in transition, but a place that we can have a continuous impact and even more influence. And, and so we go forward, and a lot of you have already said, yeah, I'm in. And, and so that's what tonight is. Tonight is for those who say, you know what, I just want to step forward and be one of those first to say, yes, I'm making a commitment to imagine more. And so tonight is Advanced Commitment Night at our church offices at 6 p.m. I hope you can join us. Um, for some of you, you're still kind of mulling this over, still kind of processing what this means for you and your family. And, and so we're having a, another commitment a day on the 17th in two more weeks. And so I just want to encourage you with that. Um, I don't know if you saw in um, the brochure, did, did how many of you, I asked this uh, the first week we did this because it has sermon notes in the back, and I said, I don't know if everyone can bring it back for five weeks in a row. But, but how many of you did? How many, you still have it? Okay, who else? Okay, I just saw Jessica. Okay, good. Okay, okay three, four out of a hundred. Not bad. Okay. So, um, okay, so we've got more. If you've never gotten one or you didn't bring it today because there's notes in the back, um, also, yeah, and you can also see there's a picture of my family when our kids were young in here, and, and then um, I feel like one of those aging presidents. Here I'm young and full of hope with my wife and kids, and then here on the front cover, Pastor Ron's holding me up, and it, it looks like, you know, spouses, Ron and Grandpa, but other than that, um, it's still good. And, uh, and in this, though, also is um, one of the things that, that's a challenge is just um, the, uh, the whole thing of five types of givers, and and, and we have this chart. We plotted out that if we were to raise the full million and a half that we believe God is calling us to do, um, that it would take these type of commitments at different levels. And so, uh, you know, I looked at that, and um, I, I found what was comfortable, and my wife challenged me, says, well, maybe we should do what's uncomfortable. And so I thought, okay, so how can I do this? How can I up my game a little more? And I, and I don't know if that's part of your process, but I know that on the back side of that, uh, or on the next page, is um, just a commitment that you may want to give. And this is over a two-year period. A lot of people were confused about that. They thought that they had to do everything in a couple weeks. And this is a two-year commitment. So that could be a weekly, a monthly, once a year, whatever. Um, but we just want to let you know about this because this is an important part uh, of really taking this vision and uh, I think putting it um, together with action. And so uh, so anyway, so so that's... That's that, and then we also, I think one of the best parts about that is just hearing stories and so, uh, of what God is doing through the work of this church, and so I just want you to watch the screen right now. Hey, one of my favorite parts about seeing these videos is just uh, hearing people's stories, and it's incredible. So I know we're going to excuse the youth, go this way, kids go this way, thank you all, come back again, love you, miss you, bye. So... Uh, well, I'll tell you, you know, we talk about um, investments. We talk about plans. You know, Dick talked about how he was Jamie's assistant. Uh, assistant means he doesn't get paid is what I think that means, but uh, it's a good title, and Jamie gave it to him. Uh, I, I know, you know, when I was in um, college, I always thought that I would have these, I would invest my life in something, and it would be 
my life goals. So I remember when I was in college, uh, I was playing some baseball, and I transferred to USC, and I thought, okay, I'm going to play baseball for USC. So I remember going up to the coach, Rod Dado, he's kind of a big name back then, and uh, said, hey, coach, I want to try out for the baseball team. And he said, yeah, we don't take walk-ons. And that was it. That, w- that was the end of my baseball career. And so, so I said, okay, so baseball is not what I'm going to invest my time in. So, so here's the thing. So then um, I decided I was going to take, uh, I was going to sing. I was a singer, right? I was in a lot of music groups in school, and I, I even had a private voice teacher named Primo Puccinelli, right? I mean, this was big time. And, and so, um, so Primo started lining me up to sing at weddings and funerals. And that's how I started to pay for college. And, and I was at this one funeral, and the company just wasn't there. So they said, we want you just to go up and just place your hand on the deceased. It was an open casket. And just sing to him. That was the end of that. So, so, so the, these were not investments that were one things I thought, okay, what can I invest my life in? And see, we all ask that, right? Where can I invest my time? Where can I invest, um, invest my resources? And, and am I investing in something that's going to last? It's going to keep growing bigger as I grow older, right? And, and I'll tell you, those things were, they were great times in my life, most of it, uh, but certainly not my future. And, and so the thing is, is, is the question for this morning that I really want to talk about is, is what are you invested in? And what are you investing in? Now, see, this is part of Abraham's life journey. And see, that, that's the great part about this story. As we look at the life of Abraham, as we talk about what does it mean to be a man or woman of faith, right? What does it mean to be that person who, who is living for God in all areas of your life? And, and so the great thing with, with Abraham, we saw that it started with a call, a call from God. And Abraham responded with, yes. Yes, Lord, I'm in. Whatever you want. And that was the beginning of this incredible faith journey. Now, there were missteps along the way. We talked about that last week. We talked about when, you know, you get off track and how do you get back on track. And that's the one things I love about the Bible. It doesn't just tell the successes, but it also tells the failures, right? And, and Abraham had those. But now what we see now is Abraham has kind of sorted through that. It doesn't mean the rest of his life he's perfect, but he's definitely at a place where now he's saying, God, okay, how do you want me to live this out? And so what we start to see now in this part of Abraham's life journey is we see the fruit of his investments that are made that make a difference for all eternity. And so, um, so I want you to read and follow with me to Genesis chapter 14. I just got a new Bible, so I'm, I'm getting to take it out for a spin today. And uh, it's kind of fun. Um, and so, so just so you know, um, what happens is is that uh, we know that Abraham, God had told him just he and his wife were to go to this place that he had for him, but he had brought his nephew along, and one of his changes was he realized he had to part ways from his nephew. Now, he did it in a good way. He said Lot was his nephew, right? You remember the story of Lot, maybe, some of you? Uh, he said, if you go right, I'll go left. If you go left, I'll go right. And so Lot said, okay, I'm going this way. And Lot settles in the town of Sodom. Now, you've heard of Sodom and Gomorrah? Probably not the best real estate investment he ever made, but this is where he went, right? And Abram went the other way. And so this is what happens is that as that happens, now we see the direction that Lot went, there are a lot of wars now occurring. Uh, It talks about wars between different kings and different kingdoms. And then it says, and I won't read to you every single 
battle, but you can read it in the first part of Genesis 14. But starting in verse 8, it says this. Then the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Admah, the king of Zebion, and the king of Bela, that is Zor, marched out and drew up their battle lines in the valley of Siddim against Kittalamor, king of Elam, Tidal, king of Goyim, Amphral, you don't know if I'm reading this right or wrong, but just trust me, I'm sure it is. Amphral, king of Shinar, and Ariok, king of Alasar, four kings against five. That's the part you need to know, okay? Um, now, the Valley of Sidon, <coughs> excuse me, what, <coughs> was full of tar pits, and when the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some of the men fell into them, and the rest fled to the hills. And the four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food, and then they went away. And they also carried off Abraham's nephew Lot and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. So what's happened? Lot's been kidnapped, right? Lot is, is, is been taken away. And a man who escaped came and reported this to Abram the Hebrew. Now Abram was living near the great trees of Mamre the Amorite, a brother of Eshcol and Anar, and all of them were allied with Abram. And when Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. During the night, Abram divided the men to attack them, and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods and brought back to his relative Lot, brought back his relative Lot and all his possessions, together with the women, with the other people. Now, that's an important story, because what we see now is we see um, where Abram's life has gone from here, right? We see that Abram now... Has, uh, has grown, his household has grown. Uh, he has, has a quite a bit number of, of servants. And, and, and in this case, it says he had 318 trained men. And uh, I know it's just hard to focus when my grandson is right there looking so cute. It's the, okay, sorry. Squirrel. Okay. Um, okay. So, so here's the thing. Is, is that what I want you to see here is this. It says Abram called, heard that his relative had been taken, Right? So he calls out he has 318 trained men. Now you say, wait a second, how do these men get trained? And see, this is the point of the story. You see, this was Abram's investment. Abram was the one who trained these 318 men. Abram had made an investment in the hearts and the attitudes and the actions of the people in his household. And you say, well, what were they trained for? Well, first we know that they were trained to defend themselves because they're able to go into battle. Abram wasn't a, a, a strategic general. He wasn't a, a mercenary. He was just a man who taught his men how to defend their household, right? But he also trained him, what, what I really believe is, is the Bible says when someone is trained by another man, that, that they're trained in the ways of God as well. And, and I believe that's part of Abram's training, that, that he planted seeds. And, and here's the thing, that's an investment. That takes time. It takes consistency. It takes intentionality. And, and so what happens is, is that when this battle came, it wasn't something that they could plan for. It wasn't something to say, hey, we'll get back to you in a couple weeks. His nephew had been taken away, and he better go quick or he was going to be gone forever. And so he just says to his 318 trained men, here we go. You've been training this. Let's do it. And so that's what they do. It says they pursued them, they, or they, they attacked them, they routed them, they pursued them. In other words, they drove them out. And he recovered all the goods. And by the way, with those goods, he only kept a small percentage, one to give to his men, but also to give to God. But he did not keep anything for himself, even though the king of Sodom had offered that to him. But he didn't want to be under his control. He wanted the king of Sodom to know he was under God's control, and that's very important. So he recovered the goods, brought back 
uh, his relative lot and his possessions together with the women and the other people. Now, now I look at this, and I think, see, this is something that God wants us to invest in, the lives of other people. You see, there are only two things that last forever, and it's God and people. And, and Abraham knew that if he was going to have these men under his household, he wanted to train them. Why? So they would grow up to be responsible men of character in his own home, that he, they would be able to be people who could defend themselves, that they could be people who learned the ways of his God, that he could have an influence on them that could change their destiny. And so when, when we look at this, we see that he made an investment. And, and see, here's the thing. Abram trained his men to be battle-ready. And when I look at that, it just begs the question, how does God, God want me to train to be battle-ready? How does God want me to train my household to be battle-ready? Because, because isn't this what we should all be doing? Because the truth of the matter is, is that there is a battle to be had. There is a battle to be had. Ephesians says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And it goes on to say that when the day of evil comes, be ready to stand. So, so here's the thing, that, that what, what Abram had taught his men, so I believe God wants to teach us. I mean, don't be naive. Every believer in Christ has a spiritual enemy from whom we must defend ourselves. And training is essential to live in the victorious life God intends for his people. See, see when I look at that, I think of the, what, what Abram did to his adversaries. He attacked them, he routed them, he pursued them, he recovered all the goods, he brought back his nephew, that which was lost, he recovered. And I think that's God's plan for us. God wants us to take on our enemy, the devil. God wants us to attack. God wants us to rout our adversaries. God wants us to pursue and Drive them out. God wants us to recover that which was taken away. God wants us to save that which was lost. You see, it's not a whole lot different, and this is what God wants us to invest in, the lives of people, and God wants us to be prepared for those times when Satan will attack. God doesn't want us to be distracted, discouraged, defeated, or destroyed, and this is what Satan tries to do. Now, it happens in big ways and little ways, because you see, the day of evil comes for all of us, but it comes in very different ways, right? There are times when you go through just an incredible hard transition and it would be easy to give up. And you can give up or you can keep trusting God. There will be times when we have little distractions in our days, right? And at that point, you have to know that God wants you to be trained up to deal with those in a way that will honor Him. So, you know, for me, I, I have big things that happen in my days and, and big uh, things that are hard and and. I've been whining about those for the last couple of weeks, so I won't do that. But, but also the little things, they're just little ways that the devil kind of gets a foothold, right? So yesterday's a good example of that, okay? So yesterday, I was grumpy all day long. Now, this is a little harder because my wife's here and she's a testimony and I don't want to do that. But um, last hour, it was much easier to share this, right? So, so, so I mean, I was, I was just not good to be with throughout the day. And as the day went on, I found myself apologizing to people right and left. And I thought I was getting better around dinner. And then I talked to some friends we had dinner with, and they said, no, you really weren't. And so I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but I do know that for me, during that day, there was just one point I said, okay, I can't keep doing this. And so, so I pulled away just for a little bit, and I, just, I have this daily devotional Bible, 
And I just kind of took just a few minutes because the day just kept going and just kind of stopped and was quiet and just spent a little time with God to keep going from going totally south that day, right? And the other thing is that I find that, that for me, when I start to go this way, the other thing that, you know, I, I just said, God, is this, am I just being a jerk or is this spiritual warfare? And, you know, I heard God say, yeah, a little bit of both, right? <laughs> so I thought, okay, that's not good. But, but, but for me, I, I, I just get to these points and I, I realize that's a point where I need to keep my mouth shut and my prayers up. That, and, and that's what I started to do. Just as the day went, I started praying. I'd like to tell you I was a saint by dinner. Apparently not. But um, I, uh, I, I think it was better than when I started, right? And, and, I, and I thought about that. And I thought, you know what? Um, I think this is what, what God talks about when he talks about training is that when that, those moments come, that you're just off your game. Or when those moments come, when you are drained and just pessimistic about everything in life. Or when those moments come and you're worried about your finances. Or when those moments come and you have someone you love who's deep, is gravely ill. Or when that moment's coming, we could go on and on and on, couldn't we? And it seems that, that one of the things, though, that God is telling us is to invest in being trained up so that when the enemy attacks, we can fight back. And so as I, as I look at this, I realize that it comes with how we spend our time, and it also means how we invest our resources. Because I think the, the part two of this story is this, is find your insurance and reward in the Lord, not your possessions. Because look what happens next. As soon as Abraham routes the enemy, as soon as Lot is safely back home, uh, as soon as everything's taken care of, it says this, the very next thing, after Abram returned from de defeating Kedorlaomer, Kedorlaomer, and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Sheva, that is the king's valley, okay? Tried to offer him all these goods, and you heard what happened. And then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought up bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. So where did this just go? The battle's been fought, and the very first thing that's on Abram's mind is on Melchizedek's mind. The very first thing that happens after this fierce battle is over is God is given the glory. God is given the glory. And then Abraham shows very, in a very practical way how he wants to give God glory, and he gives Melchizedek a tenth of everything for the work of God. Now, now, right about now, here's the problem. I really believe that part of our faith journey includes what we do with the resources God has given us. And I'm going to spend a few moments here and talk about what it means to tithe because that's really what Abraham did here. But I just know that there's someone here right now who says, I knew it. I knew it. Imagine more means money. You knew you were going to talk about this generosity thing. I knew money was going to come up right now, and that's the whole reason you're doing this. And let me just tell you this very frankly. That is a lie from the pit of hell. I'll just say that flat out. Because you see, there is no way that you can grow stronger in your faith journey without having to make decisions about what you do with the things that God has given you. 
And, and when we try to think that, oh, it's just for this, then we use that as an excuse. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to consider that. But you see, what I find is that I find that, that when we hold on to our things that God has given us so tightly, it's ours and we're going to hold on to it with our tight-fisted little money and grubby hands, that, that what happens is, is that we squeeze out God as well. And see, what Abraham's learning here is he's learning to have an open hand to God. You see, to be a disciple means that my financial life will be inseparably connected to my worship. My money is not my own. Every decision, every financial priority is made in light of my commitment and connection and worship of God. And so, if you're serious about growing your faith journey, here's the thing. You have to make a decision. Is God going to be given first priority when I consider my spending? Um, and, and how do I decide? Well, well, here's the thing. It's the places and people we give our treasure to are the keepers of our heart and the objects of our affection. So let's start there. Matthew says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay? That doesn't mean that you cannot go, never go on a trip or have a new car or a nice home. That doesn't mean any of those things, but it does mean that instead of giving God at the very end, God is considered at the very beginning. Because I find that if I'm going to look at my resources and say, well, I'm going to do this for me and this for me, and then if there's something left over, then God can have that. It never happens. So I remember that, that this has been part of my journey, and I can tell you exactly when it changed. Because I remember that, you know, when I was a kid, my parents taught me the whole thing of tithing and all this. And, and yet when I got into college, I, I started going to expensive college, and I started working for a Christian outreach organization that didn't pay a whole lot of money. Uh, and then Patty and I started dating, and we started to get real serious, you know. We started talking about marriage and all these other things. And, and I remember one day she said, hey, I want to ask you a question. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, what's she going to ask me, you know? What she, what she want to know about me? Like, what are your plans for the future? What are your dreams about us? She says, what she says, she says, do you tithe? I'm like, say what? She said, do you tithe? And, you know, I had my pat answer. I said, well, you know what? You know, I give my time, and I think that's probably good enough. And I thought I made that clear, and she looks at me, and she says, not if you're going to be married to me. Oh, okay. So I stood up, and I started tithing, right? And so we started tithing as a couple, you know what? And that first 10% went to God, you know? And, and I remember there were times when it would get a little tight, and I'd say to Patty, I said, you know, maybe we should pass this week. Maybe God's got enough. You know, we're, maybe we're okay, you know. And she said, no, we need to keep our priorities. And so we have. And, you know, now almost 35 years later, right, God still gets the first fruits. We're still tithing. And, you know, here's the thing. I can tell you there have been many times when it's been tight and we've said, I don't know where this is coming from. And many times when, when you know what, I could have spent a lot better, right? But at the same time, Throughout that, God has provided for us. God has provided. And, and, and so for me, uh, that's part of my faith story of learning to trust God. Because that's really where the rubber hits the road for me. I can trust God that the sun's going to rise tomorrow. I can trust God for a lot of things. When it comes to my own personal finances, oh, that's where it really becomes a faith journey for me, to be honest. 
And, and, and I look at scriptures, I see that tithing is the practical, consistent, and tangible way that we put God first in our lives and clearly establish our priorities and who we are serving. Deuteronomy says this, bring this tithe to eat before the Lord your God at the place he shall choose as a sanctuary. This applies to your tithes of grain and new wine and olive oil and the firstborn of your flocks and herds. And you see that, that whole pattern of tithing continuing, not just in the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament. In fact, tithing doesn't stop in the New Testament uh, and shouldn't be an excuse for us. Tithing is the consistent pattern throughout the entire Bible and to this day for believers. And, and so the whole purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. Someone had this to say. They said, tithing is a spiritual practice of giving back to God the first 10% of all that we earn. And the word tithe comes from the number 10 in Hebrew. It means a tenth. So simply put, for every $10 I earn or receive, the first dollar belongs to the Lord. So, so here's the thing. Is, um, uh, I have watched people carry out this pattern of tithing throughout their own lives, but, but it was taught to me in a new way recently. Um, uh, we had a woman who was part of our church for many years. Her name was Karen Barker. Uh, about a year or two ago, she moved out to Brent, which she was in assisted living, and I hadn't really been in touch with her the last year of her life, but I heard she had passed away. So we, I got a call from a lawyer, um, and I said, <laughs> that's never a good call for me, but you never know. And I said, so how can I help? He said, he said, you, you were Karen Barker's pastor, correct? And I said, well, yes, for many years. And I was sorry to hear of her passing. And, and he said, well, he said, I want you to know that for her it was very important to honor God with all that she had. And she knew she couldn't take it with her. So she has tithed, she has given 10% of her estate, uh, her trust fund, to Clayton Community Church. I thought, Wow. And I said, just out of curiosity, how much is that? He says, $59,000. And I thought, wow, I need to start doing seminars like God's will for your will or something like that, you know. Uh, I don't think I'm going to. I don't think I'm going to. Yeah, I know. That was just wrong. It was just wrong. Uh, I won't. But, um, but you know, I, I, I was so touched by that because I thought, here was someone who said, with my last breath and beyond, I want to honor God first because I'm, sure I'm not going to need it anymore now anyway. And then that's not, a, that's not to have you all change your trust or whatever. I, I just, um, and, and now for our leaders, our big problem is that we are praying about if that should be used for the capital or the generosity initiative or, or the operating budget. And, and so we're still praying about that. We've got until, the, until this spring before our fiscal year ends. But, but so, so we want you to know about this. But also, I, I want you to know, because I, I just feel like that Kara Barker, even in death, has set an example for me. She did that a lot when she was a part of our church, right? And, 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 and so, so I just started asking the question, you know, that, that maybe you're asking, is tithing for me? And so if that didn't speak to you, maybe this video will, so I want you to watch this. Me, well, let me just say four things to you on this, is we tithe because the first and the best belongs to the Lord. I believe that. The psalmist says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. We tithe because wisdom cries out that we should. Proverbs says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce, and then He will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. We tithe because it's a starting point for New Testament living. 
1 Corinthians, Paul says this, on the first day of every week, each of you should put aside something from what you have earned during the week and use it for this offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. And see, that, that's the whole point. It's not that we all have to give the same amount, right? I know I looked at that giving chart for the, you know, generosity. So I thought, well, I can't do up here. I can only do what I do. And, and see, for God, it's not the amount that matters, it, it, the, amount of, the money amount that matters. It's the amount of sacrifice, right? Different amounts, same sacrifice, right? And, and, and so uh, this is the thing, is that, um, that whatever the Lord gives us, that's what we honor him with. And we tithe because it releases the blessings of God. Malachi says, bring all the tithes to the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven and armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. And what we heard in the video, try it, put me to the test. And if you want to know what that means to put God to the test when he knows all the answers, talk to Pastor Ron afterwards. But... <laughs> I love doing that. When you preach, I might get it back, though. Um, but also, these are, these are lasting investments. You see, there are only two things that last forever, God and people. And I just know that the things I want to invest in that are the things that work for eternity. There are a lot of bills that you and I have to pay, right? There are a lot of things we don't necessarily see much come of it. But, but here's where Jesus says, Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moss and vermin destroy thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So here's the great part of the story with Abram, right? This is how it ends. Abraham chooses to honor God. He has trained his men. He has invested in the lives of the people in his household. And he's also given his resources first to God. He gives to the priest Melchizedek. He gives a tenth of what he has and what he has obtained, right? And, and, and so here's the thing, how this story ends. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. I am your very great reward. I love that. I love that. Because at the end of the day, see, see what God is saying is, okay, Abram, you have now trained up those men. You've been successful, right? You, you fought the battle. You know, you had your shield up. That was all good. But I want you to know at the end of the day, I am your shield. So when you're up against an adversary that's too great for you, just so you know, I am protecting you. And here's the thing, right? The money you have, the riches you have, is all said and good. You can use that for a lot of great things, right? And that's going to take care of your family. It's going to take care of a lot of things. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, I want to be your great reward. I want to be the most valuable thing that you have. I don't want it to be your money because that can be taken away at any point. But here's the thing. And when I am your great reward, that's something that will grow in value each and every day and become even more valuable. So I guess it brings us back to the question. If this is a faith journey that we want to grow in, if we are people who want to... Um, Invest in the things of God. Invest in things that will last. Invest in things that will not be taken away. Invest in things that will bear good fruit. Then here's the thing, is that God's saying is that training is important. Resources is important. But when we train people for the kingdom of God, when we train people not just to defend themselves, but in the ways of God, when we train people and when we give our resources to the one true living God, when we give him the first fruits of all that we have, this is what God is challenging us to do and to be. 
So this is a lot to think about. And I don't know how it's going to play out for you. It plays out differently for everyone. I will tell you that. But, but I do know this, is that there will be days when you will struggle. There will be days when the devil gets a foothold. There will be days when he attacks. And you will be distracted, discouraged, defeated, and sometimes maybe you feel destroyed. But God says, I'm with you. I'm with you. And I won't leave you. So we fight the fight together. And we do not give up. We do not give up. Let me just pray for you. And then I'm going to ask our prayer leaders if we can have just them up. Can I we have a couple people up in the front and in the back? Let me see who I've got here today. I'll tell you what. Um, David, can you be available here in the back? And I'll be available here in the front for anyone who needs prayer. Um, whether it's about the message or not, just if we can pray for you. We just want to always be available here.